Take your Bible, if you would please. Join me tonight in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 as we can continue our study in the book of Thessalonians. Okay. I tell you, I like that kind of singing. It's kind of peppy, you know. It kind of gets you ready, don't it? Huh? Kind of gets you ready. You folk don't seem ready. Amen. Let's get ready. All right? Okay. Take your Bible. Let me, let, let's read four or five verses together. Then let me give you a suggestion. Uh, a good way to study a text, all right? Without me aiding, without me helping, but a good way to study a text. I do it, and, uh, and, and it helps me. And uh, if it helps me, I'm sure it would help you. Look at your Bible to the book of 2 Thessalonians. We'll begin reading in verse number 13 of chapter number 2 of where we left off last week. And as an introduction to these verses that we're going to read, let me read you four verses preceding verse number 13. It'll give you some kind of comparison of what Paul is writing to this young church. Now notice, if you would please, I read for you verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the uh, working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. These are the folks who go into the tribulation. He who is working after Satan is the Antichrist. Paul is describing to these folks events that's going to take place in the seven-year tribulation period. Verse 11, For and for this cause shall God, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie in the tribulation period. If anybody has heard the gospel and refuses the gospel, goes into the tribulation period and is alive when the rapture takes place and does not go out in the rapture, during the tribulation period, they will not, cannot be saved. Because God will send them strong delusion that they might believe the lie of the Antichrist and the false prophet. So if you're waiting to get saved till Jesus comes, you might ought to change your procedure. That they might believe, that they not might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now this is describing unsaved, unbelievers, that's alive when Jesus comes back in the rapture and takes out the saved, the dead in Christ, and those who are left will go into the tribulation period. If they're here when Christ comes back and has ever heard the gospel, they cannot, will not be saved 
during the tribulation period. Complente? That's the total vernacular of my Spanish vocabulary. Now he turns and changes from referencing to the unsaved. Now notice what he says in verse number 14. But we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, who hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in, a, in every good word and work. We'll leave off reading there and we'll, we'll read the other four verses if we get there. <clears throat> But I want to talk to you about something very, 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 very important. Look at verse 1 of chapter number 3. Finally, my brethren, pray for us. That the word of the Lord might have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. I want to talk to you a little while tonight about this subject. Prayer and thanksgiving. Take your Bible back just a minute to chapter 5, and let's look at two verses in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5, and uh, verse number 17 and 18. Paul is writing to this young church, and he's encouraging them in the Lord that they have not missed the rapture, that they are not in the tribulation period, that this persecution and tribulation they're going through is just a common thing. And as well as them, he also is in dire persecution. So he says to them, you're not the only one who needs prayer. Pray for us. Everybody who will live godly shall suffer, know the rest of it, persecution. If everything's going okay with you, more than likely you need to change your lifestyle. Because in the world in which we live, the prince and power of the air is Satan himself. He is at war with every Christian and every church. And if you are getting along okay, probably you need to change something. Because everybody, the Bible says, shall live godly, shall suffer persecution. And if everything's going all right, have some kids. That'll fix it every time. Someone has said that uh, the Christian on his knees can see more than a philosopher 
standing on his tiptoes. A Christian on his knees can see more than a philosopher standing on his tiptoes. You think of that if you would, please. Someone has said, if stress and strife of the times cause you to become weak-kneed, just perhaps you should let them collapse completely, and while you're down there, pray a while. If there's one thing that we neglect in our spiritual life, probably it would be prayer. Amen. Nowhere does the Bible say to us that we should preach at all times. But it does say, pray without ceasing. Nowhere does God challenge us to be soul winning at all times. And we stress soul winning, we stress preaching, we stress evangelism, we stress a lot of things. When we ought to be stressing prayer. Prayer would do more for our homes than a marriage counselor. I believe that. Prayer would do more for our kids than a reformatory. I think we need to learn to pray once again. Amen? I really believe that. And so the times had driven the Apostle Paul to his knees because he's in Corinth and being persecuted by the religious Jews. And he is writing to the church at Thessalonica to encourage them not only that he is praying for them, but that they should pray for him. Let me give you a good, a good way to start your Bible study. Let's just look at these four verses that I read here. I think four or five verses, 13 to 17. And why don't we just go through the text and write down words that are significant to the text. Now, many times we read a text and we just go on and we forget all about it. Let me give you just some words in the text that, that is significant, that if you just went home and got a dictionary, you don't have to get a Bible dictionary, you don't have to get a concordance, you don't have to get an interlinear New Testament, just go home and get a, a Webster's dictionary and look up bound. Brethren, we're bound to give thanks for you. Bound. I wonder why he said bound. Uh, look up maybe another word, brethren. Why do we call each other brothers and sisters? Because we're the sons of God. Now notice the greatest preacher probably who has ever held a Bible in his hand. The author of 14 books in the New Testament. The man single-handedly, under the leadership of God, who turned the entire world upside down in his day. Without telephone, without mass media, without social media, the Apostle Paul absolutely evangelized his known world. And he does not put himself in a higher place than everybody in the church at Thessalonica and the folks had only been saved under six months. And he says, we're brethren. 
I'm not hot shot and you're not Mr. Nobody brethren. Isn't that neat? Don't that speak to your heart when somebody don't think they're better than you are? Don't it just aggravate you when somebody walks around with a nose far in air? If it rains, they'll drown to death. Hmm? As if they got all their degrees that they've earned on their back so that when they turn their back, you can see just how smart they are. Thank God the Apostle Paul did not feel himself better than the lowest Christian over the church in Thessalonica. Brethren. Notice another word, if you would, please. Chosen. Chosen. You know why I've got a Toyota truck? Not because I chose it. It's cheap. I'm just kidding. Because it's got a recall on it. So does every other one of them everybody made look like, right? I've got a Ford truck. needs a recall two or three times. But uh, chosen. What does it mean to be chosen? Chosen. The Bible said that you and I who are saved, listen now, were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. God knew that you'd be saved before Adam ever looked at Eve and said, wow. Chosen. You say, well, preacher, I don't think of what that means. Well, why don't you just study it? It's in there. Well, I'm not taking your word for it. Don't take my word for it. Go home, get your Bible, and you'll probably end up at Ephesians 1 and 4, more than likely. And you'll see there that, uh, let's go. Now, also, the word salvation, it's in there. Salvation in the text. The word sanctification is in the text. You see, we read all those words. Do we really need, need uh, do we really know? what sanctification is. Notice he says belief. Belief in the truth. Faith. Look up word faith. Call. What's it mean called? Did you know you are called? You say, preacher, I'm not called to preach. No, you're not called to preach, but you're called to salvation. And if you're called to salvation, that means God has a plan for you. And more than likely, you're not in his plan. You're kind of outside of his plan. And boy, wouldn't it be something if God had a particular plan for me and I did not try to accomplish that plan and then when I die, my wife could write on my tombstone, here lies a mistake. What are they going to write on your tombstone? And if you don't find out what God wants you to do, you don't realize you are called. That's what we could put on your tombstone. Ain't this fun? I said, isn't this fun? Yeah, well, okay. Let's, uh, let's look at another one. Our gospel. Our gospel. Our gospel. Not God's gospel. Not the gospel of Jesus. Paul said, our gospel. Now, what's that mean? Get in your Bible. Find out. Notice. Stand fast. What's wrong with just checking those words out? Check those words out, then read it again. <laughs> read it again, then check those words out again. Hey, take something with you. Don't just say words. Oh, okay, how about another? Traditions. Said, we're not, we don't believe in tradition. You don't? Know? It's in the Bible. 
traditions. How about this word? Everlasting consolation. Do you know you got that? Do you feel like you got everlasting consolation? You said, I feel like I got consolation when my wife cooks a meal that I like. When it is burnt, I don't feel like I am very consoled. What's it mean? Everlasting consolation. Good hope. You mean there's a bad hope? You mean there's no hope? You mean there's hopelessness? What does it mean when Paul tells that church, God will bring you into good hope? How about through grace? Another one, comfort. Another one, establish. Let's should not take a look now, if you would just please tonight, at these few verses. Look at verse 13. I want to read it for you again. The Bible said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 says, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wouldn't it be something if we all of a sudden became thankful and praiseful about how good God has been to us? Just being thankful. Notice what Paul says. He says, we need to learn the prayer of praise. When you went to ask your daddy for something that you didn't think you were going to get when you were just a little bit, did you ever butter him up before you asked for what you wanted? Dad, I washed your car a little while ago. I cleaned it out. I even vacuumed the car. Dad, your car looks great. And I just thought I'd be the kind of son that you could appreciate and I've washed your car. Dad, have you seen the yard? I mowed the yard today, even edged it. And Lord, Dad, you're such a great dad. Could I borrow the car tonight? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Butter him up. Now, Give us this day. Brag on God. Is he a great God? Is he a compassionate God? Is he a sufficient God? Is he a loving God? Won't you tell him that before you start begging him? It might work better. By the way, the Lord's Prayer that I just mentioned is not the Lord's Prayer. That is the Lord's model prayer. That is our that is our pattern to pray. The Lord's Prayer is found in John 17. But the model prayer, it just gives us a model. Our Father, which art in heaven. Lord, I'm glad you're in heaven. Lord, I'm glad, bless the Lord, one day I'll be in heaven. Lord, I just can't hardly wait to see if my mansion is better than Brother Doug's. I cannot wait to see old Doug on the far end of the block, and I'm right down next to the throne. Hey, 
That's what the prayer, the Lord's Prayer is all about. It is to give us a pattern by which we are to pray. That's why the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, not how to pray. Teach us to pray because he'd already given us the pattern for prayer. Is there anybody here? You say, preacher, I don't know what to say. Our Father, which art in heaven. Lord, I'm glad you're in heaven. Lord, I'm glad you're going to me, let me go to heaven. Lord, I'm glad your son came from heaven to this old wicked world and died for our sin that I might get to go to heaven. Lord, you're a great God. Lord, you're a holy God. Lord, help me to be holy, even as you're holy. You told us to be holy. Lord, help me to live right. Help me to be right. Help me to think right. It's a pattern by which we're to pray. Years ago when I was in evangelism, I always had a leadership conference before the meeting. And uh, one of the things that I tried to do is teach people to have a daily relationship and a daily walk with the Lord. And I taught them how to pray. And I asked them each day, pray five minutes for yourself, pray five minutes for the preacher, and then pray five minutes for the revival. That's 15 minutes. That's not much. You ever tried to pray five minutes just for you? Try it. You'll like it. Lord, thank you for every one of my hair. One, two, three, four, five. You're trying to burn up five minutes. Lord, thank you for my toes. The little ones, the other ones, and all ten of them. One, two, three. Try to pray, pray tonight when you go home. Get by your bed and pray five minutes just for you. And if you know anybody who needs prayer any more than you do, you're a very fortunate person. You ought not pray for anybody. He pray for you. You probably don't even get to pray for anybody unless you spend a while praying for you. Now, God's not going to listen to our prayer. We've got idols in our heart. We have iniquity in our heart. Here's another one. If we're not tithing, that, that's a kicker, isn't it? Is your prayers, I mean, something. Is 10% of what you make worth shutting the kingdom of heaven and the windows of heaven? Bible said, if you withhold your ear from the poor, you will ask, and I will not hear. I wonder how many folks pay more for insurance than you do their time. Well, that's another dumb. How can you teach somebody else to tithe if you're lying to them? Sunday school teacher, if you're not tithing, resign your class quick before I find out you're not. It'd be a lot, be a lot, be a lot more pleasant seeing. If you just come to me and tell me you don't love God enough to tithe, so you're going to resign your class. Well, I thought this would be good. Really, that wasn't in my notes. I just pitched that in there free. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, you're at Joshua Baptist Church. We're not ashamed to talk about money here. Amen. 
keep God's tithe, God curse you. That's just bottom line. You know why God's blessed this place? Because we're not stingy. Church is not stingy. We've never been stingy with a preacher. Never been stingy with a missionary, with a singing group. No one. Five years, this church gave $210,000 to one family. You know why God's good to us? Because we believe the principle of stewardship in the Bible as a church. Hey, look, you're, gonna, you're not going to like the rest of the service if you don't look up. Don't keep looking down just because I nailed your big toe. Look up now. Take time to pray. You ever notice when you talk like that, people who are guilty, they just look like a vampire got bat, got a hold of their toe and sucked all the blood out of them. They just turn real pale. That's called conviction. The best thing to do is correct it. Amen. Why? Because God will bless you for it. We don't need your money. Do you need God's blessings? I said, do you need God's blessings? We got the thing covered. Have you? Say now you got something to pray about. Amen. <laughs> well, people say, man, I'm glad God led me to this church till he starts getting off on stuff like that. Paul learned to praise God in his prayer. Notice, if you would, please. He, he, he said, I want to talk to you about a prayer, prayer of praise. He said, I want to thank the Lord. We're bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, notice, chosen you to what? Is that what your Bible said? God from the beginning has chosen you to salvation. Is that what it says? You mean tell me when I got saved didn't surprise God? Isn't it amazing some folks? Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not Armenian. I can't spell either one of them. But I'll tell you what I am. I'm a sovereignist. I believe God knows. And I don't believe anything happens that God does not allow to happen. And I don't believe anything ever happens that surprises God. I do not believe God's... <gasps> Wish I, hadn't called, I wish I hadn't missed that. No, God knows all. And the Bible said that he has chosen from the beginning you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Now, let me tell you why Paul was so happy and could praise the Lord. Would you like to see that? Look back at chapter 5 and verse 9 of chapter 1. Paul has been talking about the day of the Lord, talking about the tribulation period, talking about what's going to go in the tribulation period, and how that he's going to send them a strong delusion, how they're going to believe a lie. Now this is why Paul was so happy. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved tonight? Then you've got a whole bunch to praise God for. If you're going to miss the tribulation period and you're going to miss hell and you have a home in heaven and you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and you are saved, 
satisfied and secure, bless God, you ought to be able to bow your head and thank God for something. And that's what Paul was saying. Let's have a prayer of praise. And he said, I want to praise God first of all because they were chosen by God. I wish I had time to show you this. Ephesians chapter number 1. Just turn back a little bit. I'm looking at the clock. It's, uh, well, I got off that tithing and messed up the whole thing. And some folks not going to have any sleep tonight. But if they'd get under conviction and start tithing Sunday, next week would be a lot better week. You know why? Because he said, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there not be room enough to receive. He said, Preacher, I don't make enough to tithe. You don't make enough not to. Turn your cable off. Cancel your cell phone. Take the wife's credit card away. Tithe. Tithe. It would be a blessing to you. Not to me. To you. Ephesians 1 and 4. Look at this. Ephesians 1 and 4. The Bible said, According to the have chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in what? If you've been saved, you ought to love God. If I have been saved, and I've been delivered from the wrath that is to come, and I now have uh, Jesus Christ and the personal Holy Spirit in my heart, then I ought to love God. You say, well, preacher, what in the world transpired? Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Here we were before we were saved. And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and in sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Can anybody identify with that? that? Before you were saved, you walked according to the course of this world. Is that not so? Some of us has the mark of this world on us, tattoos. No, some of you have. That's just a mark of the world. This little bridge I got in my mouth is a mark of the world. It's to fulfill what somebody unfilled years ago because I was walking after the course of this world. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's scars on mom's heart and scars on daddy's heart that was put there when you were walking according to the course of this world. Come on, is that not so? And so that's where we were. And the Bible said, uh, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit that now worketh in the children of, diso of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, 
as even as others. Does that describe anybody you know before they got saved? Now, here's a good reason to shout next verse. But God, who is rich, are you glad of that? Rich, not in justice, and rich in mercy. For his great love wherein he hath loved us. Even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Has anybody got anything to praise God for tonight? So before you start begging and asking and all this, I want this, I want this, I'd like to have a Matthew bow. And I'd like to have a bow to get in it. And I'd like to have a dog and catch whatever I shot. Before you start asking God for all that, I want to just thank God for what he's done. Thank God he chose you. You said, well, is everybody chose? I'll tell you what. If you get one saved that is not chose, God will forgive you when you get to heaven. And he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But let me tell you something. You're not going to surprise God. Whosoever will may come. I don't understand all that best understood this way. I walk up to a door and it says, whosoever will may come. Great. By faith, open the door, I step in. The door closes. I look back and it says, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. You don't understand that either. You just better thank God it's that way. Amen. We serve a great big God. We serve an awesome God. We serve an omniscient God. We serve an omnipotent God. Is anybody here? We serve an immutable God. Thank God for the God that we serve. Notice, another reason we say, sanctified by the Spirit. Look at verse number 13. The Bible said, we're not only chosen, but Paul is right in that church and trying to encourage them a little bit because they're going through so much stuff. And he says, sanctified of the Spirit. Now, you probably know what sanctification is. It means set aside for God's possession. Set aside. Sanctification means set aside. Set apart for God's possession. You got that? So, God chose, and you were set apart. Set apart for God, and the Holy Spirit began to work on you. Nobody's going to get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. No man come to the Father except a drawing. God chose. Holy Spirit begin to work. And the Holy Spirit only uses the Word of God. Now, if you run over a deer, almost had a wreck, and you got saved, if I was you, I'd go back and I'd read, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, I got saved once. I almost played football in college. I went out one time. In my gym class 
They said, I had the hands of a great receiver. I got conned. I went out for football one day, and I told them, I have the mind of a sane person. This is a heathen, heathen game. I quit. What was I talking about? Started lying, forgot all about what I was going to say. <laughs> Amen. And so when I preach, or Andrew preaches, anybody preaches, or you read your word, the Holy Spirit of God applies that word to your heart and sets you aside for God. Calvary is a fact, and it's sufficient. You can believe the Calvary all your life and die and go to hell. You can believe every verse in the Bible and go to hell. You can be chosen of God and not be saved. The Holy Spirit must take the preached, applied Word of God, apply it to your heart, Muster up the faith that you believe it and you receive Jesus Christ and God's Word by faith, and the Holy Spirit sets you aside. God chose, Jesus provided, and the Holy Spirit saves. Sanctified by the Spirit. You got that? Just because you come down here and cry a few tears because you got caught, does not save anybody. It takes the total, total, totality of the, of the Godhead to save. God loves, Jesus dies, and the Holy Spirit applies. Isn't that nice? So when I got saved, now not when I got called to preach, I was set apart for God, sanctified by the Spirit. You did know that, didn't you? That God didn't save you for you to keep acting like you were before you got saved. God did not save you that you might do your own thing. God saved us that we might be set apart for His use. Notice, if you would please, verse number 13, the Bible says, But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Faith cometh by hearing, hear by the word of God. Whereunto he calls you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He called us, called us through the preaching of the gospel. Paul said, For three weeks I preached the gospel in the synagogue at Thessalonica. 
while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit of God applied the gospel message to your heart, and he drew him to God. But you didn't surprise God when you walked down the altar because God knew he was going to get saved a long time. And you are now set aside, set apart for God's use, not your use, not my use, for God's use. I'm sure glad that I learned that truth very early, right after I got saved. Verse 14, you're called, 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 called unto salvation. A specific purpose for every Christian. Now around here we make a lot of emphasis on soul winning. We emphasize prayer. We emphasize church attendance. We emphasize Bible study. We emphasize our daily devotion. We emphasize all of that. But let me tell you why you were really saved. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 If I win somebody to Christ, it's not for my benefit, it's for the glory of God. If I am teaching Brother Doug anything pertinent to the word of God, I am not doing it for Doug, I'm doing it for the glory of God. If I mow a yard, and I still do, and if I clean a bathroom, and I'm not too good to do it, and if you are, you're just too good, whatever I do, I ought to do it for the glory of God. When I'm eating food that my wife cooks that I don't like, just fry it. Dear God, I wish somebody would take my wife's phone away from Wish you'd never heard of Penrith. <laughs> Beans and taters, good enough, fried, a lot of grease. Just pour a glass of grease on my food. That's great. <laughs> but I eat it. And she says it good. I cannot lie. I must say that it is good. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do what? All for the glory of God. You know what was the most difficult for me, difficult thing I ever did since I've been saved? It's to date saved. I never had any practice of that. Where do you go? What do you do? You know, I like to know if these guys, preachers who's taking their secretaries out to lunch, if they ask the Lord to bless the food. It's tough to date if you say, because you don't let your good be evil spoken of. So when Ginger and I was dating, she had to ride in the back of the truck. I determined when I dated Ginger, one time in my life I was going to do something right. One time I was going to honor God in my life. One time I was going to protect a lady's integrity and her testimony.
she don't know how to kiss before I got married, I'll teach her afterwards. <laughs> Lip blocks gets other things that stirred up. How you gonna date if you say we were never seen alone anywhere in public that it was not before a large window and that people could see at all times. Why? I want to protect my wife's testimony and respect her for the lady that she was. She wanted to kiss me. I could tell it. And I took me a big stick, but then I said, you come across that seat, I'll hit you right between the eyes. Maybe it wasn't that bad. What I'm trying to tell you is, sanctified, set aside for God's use, called by God. And then he says, I'm done, stand fast in the tradition that you've been taught. Stand fast. That's what he said, stand fast, he said, in the traditions which ye have been taught, whether through my preaching, Paul said, or through the letters that I write to you. I think we need some of that steadfastness in our church. I think maybe the devil is really attacking families in our church, and they're attacking all churches. He is. He, he's out to get us, and there's plenty of compromise today. Dear Lord, you know, just... What used to be a sin is accepted in society today. You know, if you look through the Bible, many times the word fornication is used throughout the New Testament. Paul spoke of it quite regularly, and I've brought it up in 1 Corinthians and Galatians and, and uh, all through the Bible. But there was an immoral society in Paul's day. I think I've told you this. 14 out of 15 Roman emperors in Paul's lifetime were homosexual. 14 out of 15. Nero did not even spare his mother, but committed incest with his mother. Rome was a wicked, immoral, ungodly society. That's why I wrote in Romans chapter 1, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination and uh, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And for this cause, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Paul's writing of a society in which he lived in. We're there today. Marriage used to be honorable. Parents used to teach their kids the reverence and the sanctity of marriage. Now folks just move in together and bring their kids along with them and expect the kids to come out right. Refrigerator full of beer and the kids can't drink it. Why? So we're in a we're in a really a compromising society, are we not? 
And the devil is really trying to get Christians not to stand in the traditions that they were delivered. We need to learn to stand. Amen? Not just for standing's sake, but God might be glorified in our life. That we set an example for another generation. Well, has anybody had fun? Uh, I take back everything I said about tithing. Because that almost bankrupt a church service. (laughs) Too late. Well, for some it is. For those that have been robbing God all this time, be sure your sins will find you out. Yeah, yeah, they do. Ain't God good? I said, ain't God good?